Okay, here we are with Danielle McKinnon from daniellemckinnon.com. McKinnon spelled M-A-C-K-I-N-N-O-N. You know, I'm sure a lot of people get that wrong, right, Danielle? Yep, they get it wrong. My old last name was a lot easier. What was it that? It was four letters, C-O-V-E. That was a lot, a lot easier. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Afterlife TV. We really appreciate you being here to answer this question that so many people have which is, you know, do our pets go to the afterlife? Why don't we get right to it? We'll start with that broad question. You can answer it however you want, and then we'll sort of break it apart as we go along. How would you answer that? Because I'm sure this is a question you get quite often by email and, and you know, from your clients. Uh, what happens to the animals that we love when they die? And do they just disappear, poof, you know, no more? Yep, disappear, poof, I don't really have a job. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Well, thank you for coming, Danielle. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you another time. Hey, okay, bye. Bye. No, seriously, you know, obviously uh, this is, uh, there's a lot of people who believe in life after death, but they think of it in terms of people. But when it comes to animals, they're not really sure what to think. Um, I, I really do get asked this question all the time, that people want to know that their, their animal who passed over is safe or is happy or is okay. And um, the best way I can answer it is basically to give you a yes. There is a place where animals spend their time when, after they've passed. I don't know if we can exactly call it time, but they spend their time there and we're able to connect with them. I'm able to ask them how they're doing. They're able to talk from that place. Uh, you know, it's actually funny. I have um, animal communication students because I teach people how to do animal communication. And a lot of the time, I'll have them practice with an animal, but I won't tell them the animal has crossed over. Because yeah. everybody freaks out. They're like, I can't talk to a dog who's crossed. I, you know, so I don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and it saves a lot of grief, actually, because people get really worried. Yeah. And everybody is able to connect with that animal on the other side. Mm. So it, it's, it's pretty cool. The other neat thing about that is I'll ask people, okay, when they're connecting with an animal on the other side I'll say what uh, what's it look like where they live what's their everyday existence like and they will describe for dogs they describe this like literally like dog utopia there's uh, big huge logs and trees and lots of food and water and bunny and like it's like literally like um, you would think in Bambi you know the movie Bambi when everything looks all nice and sweet it's kind <laughs> yeah, of like right. dog heaven and um, and people get really comforted by that yeah. But what I tell them about that is that it's really just a, a layer that the animals use to communicate that they're safe and happy on the other side. Mm -hmm. Because really underneath that layer of the trees and the logs and the, the, the rainbows and things like that is just a beautiful home light feeling. And I've, I've talked with animals about that. And, and that's, that's the truth. That's like the essence of where they are. But it's very hard for us as humans to understand. Okay. All right, we'll get more into detail about that in a little bit in a minute. Why don't you know? Can you draw the line for us, though? I mean, we talk about pets, and usually people think cats and dogs, and I don't know how far they go. Maybe horses. Uh, where does where do we draw the line as far as what animals go to the afterlife? You know, what about insects and birds and fish? Where where do we draw the line, if anywhere? There, there is no line. There is no line. It's. In my experience, it's every animal, every insect, every insect, every fish. Mm -hmm. um, it's every everybody with a consciousness can cross to the other side and can actually still be connected to and communicated with. 
There, there is no line. I've not been able to not reach someone. I've kind of connected in and had an animal be like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not interested in talking. I crossed over 30 years ago. You know, I'm all set or, or this isn't the right time for this person to connect with me, etc. But uh, animals can, all animals. I mean, that's cheetahs and zebras and, you know, amoeba. <laughs> all right, but I haven't tried to communicate with an amoeba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and I've never had a pet amoeba either. So. Right. <laughs> but, but spiders, I'm sure spiders are the one exception, right? Because I have no problem, you know, well, we won't even get into that. Listen, me ticks. and spiders, I have issues with spiders. You know For me, I mean? it's ticks. I, don't, I'm, I have a hard time with ticks. <laughs> okay, all right. So no love lost with the ticks if they're not going to the afterlife. But no, I get it. So all animals are going to the afterlife. So does this mean then that all animals have souls? And if so, how would you, how would you define soul? What, what does it mean to have a soul? I would define soul as that, that, that part of the energy that stays intact even when the body leaves. So when the body has deteriorated or stopped functioning, there is this energy that continues on that has a certain signature to it. And that I define as the soul. And every, uh, we know people have souls, but every animal has a soul as well. Every insect, every mammal, every bird, they all have souls. And they all have souls that work in a slightly different way than our human souls. Oh, interesting. Uh, do you want to get into that, or is that a little too in-depth for an interview like this? Um, how would they be different? Well, animal souls, and when I say animal souls, I mean animals, mammals, birds, you know, insects, I mean the whole deal, yep. anything that's not human. They have a uh, purpose in coming here, and their purpose is to teach humans. Ah. So, whereas humans came here, we're here, our souls are here to be enlightened, to become a high vibrating, beautiful, loving soul, to learn our lessons. Animal souls are here to help teach humans their lessons. So the, the overall purposes between the two souls are different, but they work together. Interesting. All right. There's another thing that I do want to go back on because I just want to work our way up. You know, anybody that this might be new for will work, will work their way up to that um, in a moment. So. Uh, is there a difference between, uh, when, you're, when you're thinking of it, is there a difference between a soul and a spirit? A spirit, to me, um, I don't really use the word spirit that okay. often because spirit so often includes the um, personality along with the ego, along with all of the pluses and minuses that came along with that personality. Okay. If you think of like a spirit that's here, if you're connecting with a spirit, you know, you might connect with your deceased love grandmother with your grandmother and she might come in and say, what are you doing seeing that man? <laughs> you know? right. And so she's got her, all of her opinions. She's not really working at that higher level. Yep. So when I'm talking about souls, I'm talking about that higher, deeper level that we often as humans don't go to. We humans tend to stay in more of that um, egoy area where we're more concerned with the everyday details but the soul is more concerned with the big picture and the evolution of that being okay um, that makes a lot of sense to me I never really thought of it in that way I love that description of it so yeah when we're talking about uh, spirit we're talking about really a, a specific uh, ego really if you if you think about it the, the spirit yeah. <laughs> of who they were when they were here um, as a soul, though, it incorporates all, all the lifetimes that that, that uh, 
being might have uh, experienced, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what evidence do you have then? You know, you, you discussed some of it, but give some, if you can give some personal examples of evidence that you have that you know, animals are, are in the afterlife, uh, you know, because, you know, there's going to be some people who will say that, you know, you might be, you know, it might be like ESP. You're picking up on the memories of the person that you're giving the reading to, that sort of a thing. How do you know that you're actually connecting with this animal uh, in the afterlife? And, and give us some examples of, you know, what has happened when you're communicating with an animal in the afterlife. How do I know that I'm connecting with an animal in the afterlife and not it's not a memory or, or ESP about it? Um, I mean, actually, the biggest way is faith. My intention is, connect, is to connect with the animal, and this is what I teach my students. Mm. I want to connect with the animal, so I'm going to connect with the animal. If I spend my time worrying that I'm connecting with a memory, I'm more likely to connect with a memory. I mean, it's definitely, you bring up a legitimate thing, but I teach people to have faith in their intention, and that their intention is everything. So, I, I mean, there's not a way... A memory is going to look different. It's going to feel different. Mm -hmm. It's going to. It's. It's going to be from the person's point of view. Mm -hmm. Whereas the information that I'm getting from the animal is going to be specifically from that animal's point of view. So there, there would be a difference if the memory almost matches too well with the human's point of view. It would be like um, if it was a memory, and this really doesn't happen. I mean, a very, very because of the intention thing. But if it was a memory let's say the memory would be I would be sitting at a dinner table eating food handing the food down to the dog mm. if it was from the dog the dog would say I loved being at the dinner table looking up for the food you know I'm gonna get it from that animals point of view not the humans point of view yeah yeah I, it, I don't run into it very often and my students don't either because I teach them to have that that trust in themselves that just Say what you want to receive. I want to receive from the animal, and that and that you do. It's it's not a. Um, I know you, I know you with how your logical mind thinks. It's an easy thing to come up with that it's a mistake that would happen, but it's not a frequent. It doesn't happen. It's not common at all. Yeah. Now, and I, I know this happens with people, but I, you know I'm not sure about animals. Do they ever give you information? Maybe the person isn't aware of either. So if so, for instance. I know with people, I'll use a people example. Maybe you can use an animal example. You know, a person in spirit comes through to a medium and tells them, we'll say, about something that happened, like another person died, that this, the, the sitter, the client, uh, knows, but that client wasn't aware that that person had died yet. They're finding out through the spirit, through the medium. Um, is there, has that ever happened with you? So It I mean, happens all the time, really, but not in that way. And I think the difference is because what you're talking about is human to human yeah. or human to, to person on the other side. And what I'm talking about is um, human to animal soul. Right. And since the animal souls are concerned with the big picture and they're concerned with all this evolution of our human souls, the way they would deliver the message, let's say... Um, I, I was working with a woman and her dog, and the dog was the dog would say something to me like, "You know, there's an imbalance in the relationship, and your boyfriend's 
attention isn't all focused on you, it's focusing other places as well. You know, the dog would be telling me that rather than your husband's having an affair or your boyfriend's having an affair because they deliver all the messages with love. I think when you're actually dealing with people and with deceased love people, mm-hmm. they um, sometimes the message gets delivered a little bit more alarmingly or dramatically. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. You see it on TV. Right, yeah, right. Uh- <laughs> but the animals choose to deliver the message in a way that could actually help heal the person through the information. So it happens all the time that the person learns new information about themselves or about their life or about their children, but it happens in such a way that it doesn't set the person off like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Yeah. Um, Because the animals are so concerned with making sure everything results in a forward evolution. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, I bring up the question because I know there's skeptics out there or people who are even slightly skeptical and you know the ESP thing is something that uh, often comes up with skeptics you know the, the medium or the psychic is reading the person's mind actually I don't even know I, I've never seen that I've never actually seen anybody who has been able to read my mind I've tested I- hundreds <laughs> of psychics and mediums nobody has been able to read my mind well that's what I was thinking is what is you know I'm like actually pretty super psychic I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I, I haven't met yeah. anybody who who can, <laughs> and yet, you know, it's it's a typical. It's like, you know, skeptics love to go there. You know, yeah. oh, you know, just because it's hard for some people, you know, it, it's easier for us to think that we can read one another's minds than to think that we can actually communicate with someone in the spirit world. Because to even believe in the spirit world is a giant leap. From that, you know. Yeah. All right, but getting back to to the animals and the afterlife, I'm just curious. I know you've been with animals as they've been passing during a natural death. Yeah. Sad, sad in some ways. Although I experienced it about a year and a half ago with a, a cat, and it was a beautiful experience. Yeah. Um, are there stages that take place at the time of death if it's a natural death? And, and, and what are those stages that they sort of go through? That's a great question. And, you know, you notice that when you asked me, when you started talking about this, rather than getting all serious, I noticed I was doing a big smile. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's because... Um, and you have a nice smile, so that works out <laughs> well, good. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, it's because my experiences with death, with animals passing over, is so positive. Um, that for me, when I think of an animal crossing over, I actually feel good. Yeah. So you, you, we're going to start talking about the phases and how this all works. And it's for me, in, on the inside, I'm like, oh my God, I love talking about this because it's so cool what happens. Um, uh, there's a few things. One is an animal always knows that they're going to cross over. Always. They always know. They'll know weeks beforehand. Um, I've met so many people though who've come to me and said, well I talked to an animal communicator and they said that my horse said it was an accident. And I, I, I have not experienced that. Um, what I've experienced is, uh, you know, the, the animal says, yep, it was my time. I'd completed my work with my human and it, it was ready to move on. So they, they choose the time. They choose the method as well, meaning if it's going to be fast, if it's going to be slow, if it's going to be long and drawn out, if it's going to be through a disappearance, all of these things are based on what they feel will work best for their human Mm. in terms of helping their human evolve. 
On top of that, now we get to the point where they're actually going to cross over. A lot of animals will, if they're, if they're with me, they'll ask me to, um, actually, let me change that. If the animal's with me because the human wants them to be with me, the animal will give the human a list of things that they, you know, that would help them to cross over. Okay. You know, I'd like to be in this place or have this person here or hear this music or be in this position or, or go to the vet or not, you know. They, mm. and, but what I found is those things are great, but if the animal didn't have them, it mm. wasn't the end of the world. Because okay. I've talked to animals who both were able to make requests and have the requests granted yep. and w made requests and didn't have the requests granted and both were happy, both were fine on the other side, both totally understood it. It feels like making requests is more of a, um, uh, like something to help them bond and feel feel closer to and help their human along as yep. they cross over. Right. So n now we get to the part where they're actually going to cross over and what, um, it depends on the death how it works. Yep. If it's something like a car accident, so the cat runs out in front of the car, in my experience the animals have always told me, oh I left my body just before impact. You know, I was right outside my body then or when I got scared in the house and jumped up and screeched and then ran out the door, when I screeched I left my body and then I got hit by the car. So they're really not experiencing the pain that we see go on. If it's a, a, a long slow death such as a, um, a an accident that results in an injury that kills them or if it's a, a disease, yeah. um, they will stay in their body until their body is no longer comfortable to be in. And then there's their energy will kind of hang in, cut, let's say half in, half out, tethered to the body, kind of like a balloon, Yeah. which is a really cool thing. And then I've had a lot of people, I've helped them kind of say, all right, for a natural death, all right, let's help this animal. And they kind of cut that little tether because the yeah. animals say, yes, I'm ready to go. They cut that tether and then the animal's able to cross over more, more quickly and easily. Interesting. Um how would you cut that tether? I mean, is it just, you know, telling them it's okay to go or? That is one way to do it. Really speaking with them and saying, it's okay, I release you, have a great time, I'll see you on the other side. Or you can uh, visualize the energy as kind of like a little, little balloon above the animal and just visualize using little scissors and cutting that tether. But you don't want to do it unless you really feel like, you know what, it's time. I feel like he wants to pass on his own. It's got to be the right moment. It's not like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But some people will do that. I, I've had clients who found out their, their dog had cancer and they were so worried that she was going to, um, they were so worried that she was going to suffer that the smallest thing happened. They were like, okay, 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 we're going to put her to sleep because we don't want her to suffer. Yeah. And, you know, and it was fine with her. But when I asked her about it, she said, like, well, I could have, I, you know, it was fine. I could have gone on longer. She was, she planned it, but at the same time, they had their own plan. <laughs> yeah, you know, I understand that because um, I went through that with my cat Pesky. The name is Pesky, 22 years old. Um, certainly had lived a long life and uh, but I remember you know most of us it's one thing if we're going through pain but it's even harder to watch someone else that you love going through pain so yeah. it was obvious you know we knew we woke up that morning we could tell this was the day she was on her way out and my biggest concern was 
you know, first of all, I didn't want to move her to bring her to the vet and because I thought that would just make matters worse, a lot of anxiety. Yep. But then at the same time, I was worried that she was in a lot of pain because, you know, organs are shutting down and stuff. That was obvious. And when I say obvious, I mean, she was fine. It's just I guess that's what I was projecting was that her organs were shutting down. So it wasn't obvious. Bad <laughs> word. And but I was concerned that she was in pain and that it might be better for her if she were helped along. In the end, uh, I was glad that we did it the way we did it. She died on my lap and. We had, we, me and my wife, Melissa, had, had kept putting her on each other's lap for a long time. This lasted a few hours till she finally went. But that was a question that went through our, our mind. Did we make the wrong choice? I was always worried that it would get so painful and I would have to, uh, you know, be with her while she was in all this pain, knowing that I made the wrong choice. For me, that didn't happen. I'm sure that's happened at times where there's probably more pain involved. Uh, and so that question goes through your head when let's talk about that you know let's talk about euthanasia you know when is it appropriate when is it not appropriate you kind of touched upon it but how does someone make that choice i'm going to tell the story of a client who um she had a dog he was 17 and he was very 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 sick and she knew it was time but at the same time she just wasn't ready so he, he definitely had physical pain, but like I said, remember, he's not quite in his body, so the suffering isn't really as um, as much as we would think. Yeah. So she let it go on a really long time, like th I think it was three or four months, until finally um, she there was no choice. Like yeah. she, he couldn't function, and, and she, he had to be put down. And then she came to me for a session, and she said, I just never want to go through that again. That was so horrible. I can't believe I did that. And I said, I talked to him and I said, well, he, he wants you to learn from this. And he's saying that your other dog will give you a sign. So we talked to the other dog. The other dog did this. I can't remember what the sign was. It was like not eating dinner three nights in a row or some, you know, some very concrete sign yeah. so that she would know when it was time. And sure enough, I heard from her a few months later on Facebook and she said, thank you so much. It helped. It worked. And, and she didn't suffer. And I had to put her down, but I understood, you know, so she, she needed that type of sign. Now notice that both of those animals were put to sleep and um, it wasn't a problem. Yeah, they, uh, you know, animals they don't getting put to sleep is uh, getting put to sleep is no different from um, dying of a natural cause, dying of an accident. I mean, it's just another method that the animal chooses. Yeah. I don't run into animals saying I shouldn't have been put to sleep or why did you do that horrible thing. But I run into tons of people who are like, I can't believe I did it. I feel terrible. I've been feeling guilty for 15 years. And then we talked to the animal and he was like, no, no, <laughs> that was the right decision. I was all done. My body wasn't working and I needed help. Yeah. So um, euthanasia is really just a, one of many choices according to the animals. Remember, the animal's choosing how it happens. So you may think you're you're you may think you figured out the right way with Pesky, but it wasn't really you. <laughs> well, well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, because she was fine the next uh, the day before. She was fine. We just went all well, we wake up. It was a Sunday, you know, and she it was just like oh, I'm checking out today. Yeah, yeah. all done, it. all set. <laughs> the interesting thing you talked about, you know, maybe if someone's getting hit by a car or something that that cry you know that that takes place before pesky um just maybe seconds or you know maybe it was a minute before she stopped breathing let out this like one cry she was quiet the whole morning 
let out this one and I was wondering what was going on at that moment you know was it her like hanging on no what do you think it's that a was? really good 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 question because I can't tell you how many people say to me I felt like it was the right decision we we took her to the vet or she was just about to cross over my arms and then I got this a big burst of energy and a big sound or a big bark or yeah. squiggling around in my arms it happens all the time and I mean and it's really cool what it is obviously I don't feel upset about it I think yeah. it's really cool the um, you know how we talked about if an animal's crossing slowly and their their energy kind of tethers in a balloon over them and you have to cut that tet that cord it's the same kind of thing. There needs to be a big burst of energy in order to get that soul out of the physical body. Sure. So this is what you're witnessing, but the thing is, we as humans, we see it and we're like, oh my God, I did the wrong thing. You really wanted to live. <laughs> Everybody yeah. freaks out, but it's really that burst in order to get out. Yeah. You know, people should notice, and I, and I hope they do You know, take notice of... Um, your demeanor in talking about this. I mean, you know, it. to us, it's a very sad event. You, I'm sure you've lost pets. Huh. It's a very sad event. Yes. But in that way, because of our loss. But yep. for them, and this is what you experience, you have that wonderful gift, really, to have experienced this with them. And I think anybody who has experienced um, the loss of a pet with you when you're working with them gets to experience this as well, is... That it, that it is a beautiful event. It's very natural, and it's the timing is perfect. I mean, pets are only with us for a short time, you know. And uh, so it's, it's not a sad thing the way you experience it. Yeah. And, and the way that they communicate it to you even afterwards, that this is just a beautiful, very natural thing that, that we're all going to go through. And I just, I just think it's wonderful for people to take notice when you talk about it. You are smiling. You have a smile on your face. And it's not like, oh, yeah, it was horrible. I have this story I'm going to tell you. It was horrible. You know, it's not about that at all, is it? No. Yeah. <laughs> and I, wh one thing I want to say quickly about that is that um, when I ask the animals about it, they just consider death to be the next step. Yeah. You know, because there is the soul keeps going. It's just, all right, I've completed my work here, I've done my stuff with my humans, and I'm graduating and moving into the next school. Sure. They, it, it's, it, they are not attached to it. In fact, the only negativity I've run into with animals about death is that they're concerned about, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to cross over in the next two months or so. I'm really worried about how Judy's going to handle it. Right. You know, we've got to, I, I want to start preparing her. So they'll be concerned for their humans, but mm -hmm. for themselves, it's just, it's as natural as going to the bathroom. It's just, yeah. you know, it, 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 but it, more exciting than going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, for some people, maybe. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so, you know, we compare the crossing over of people with, you know, crossing over of, of animals. And I can see that there's some differences there, uh, but there's a lot of similarities. Is there ever anything that's similar to what, uh, to a deathbed vision where we talk, we hear about deathbed visions where I'll just use the example of, you know, an elderly person, you know, is getting ready to, to pass and they actually see their loved ones in spirit coming to welcome them home sort of thing. Do you, do you think that ever happens with pets, or is it sort of a, a lonely type of transition? It's a, it's um, yes, but no. 
So what happens is, um, let's say I'm speaking with a pet, and, and I'm going by all this that I'm speaking about me speaking with pets because um, I'm not there for a lot of the the actual passing. Right. But what will happen is I'll, I'll be talking, all right, so you're about ready, you want your death to go like this, you know, we're kind of planning it out, talking with the animal's human. And then it, the um, the animal will say, and, and we'll list off so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and this dog, and that cat, you know, and we'll say, they're all here ready for me to come. So it's basically, it's not like a deathbed vision, it's more like they're so in touch already yeah. that they already know who's waiting for them. I which is, um, I think, a really cool thing because not only does it help the animal be just comfortable, like, oh, yeah, they're over there waiting for me, but it comforts the human to know that those beings, whether they're human or animal, are going, waiting as well. All right. Well, that's interesting. Um, it, you know, in listening to you talk, I mean, it really, it's obvious that animals much more connected than we are as people you know at least most of us and they they come from such a higher perspective and i think so many people are used to thinking of pets as a lower species of some sorts it, it, you know the way you talk it's just the opposite you know we 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 they should be our gurus or, you know <laughs> i mean that's what it seems like is that really the way it works yep you're, you're absolutely right it's that they're here as our teachers mm. and well, you know, you know what it is. Think of it like um, the animals are here to to be in service to humans. Now, a lot of people view someone who's in service to them as lower than them. Going to a restaurant and treating the waiter, the lowly waiter, and not tipping them well because they're servicing you. You know, there's a lot of people out there who think like that. Yeah. But it's a big deal to say I'm going to dedicate myself to to serving you. You know, yeah. this is. This is what light workers do all the time, and it's also what animals are doing. I'm going to dedicate myself to serving humans, but they—it's a choice they've made. It's not they're lower and they're trying to get up to our level. They're actually trying to help us, and what they're trying to help us do is learn unconditional love. If you look at animals, that's what they open in humans. You know, they do it through many, many different ways, but that's what they bring out in humans. So this is not a, a lowly, oh, he's my companion and I love him so much. This is really animals have the potential to open up people's hearts in ways that many people avoid um, at every turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, because, well, just because I don't think there's a lot of people who really think of their, their pets in that way. Um, and certainly, I meet I, a lot of people who do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Your perspective is a little different than most people's, I think. Um, but I think if all of a sudden we could start to look at our animals in that way, uh, it, it changes our relationship. Um, you know, no, no question about it, to think of them uh, in that way. But the other thing, which is related to this, like going back to that question about deathbed visions, so it sounds because they have this higher perspective, which is a higher perspective all the time, therefore they don't need to have deathbed visions because they're already they're more in connection with the spirit world, we'll say, than than we are as humans, because we have this sort of um I don't know, it's like it's like our memory of that sort of thing gets erased at a certain point in our childhood. I don't know. But oh, animals never really it. lose that. What's that? Humans have a, uh, so if we have a curtain between the other side. A curtain, and great a word. Curtain, 
we humans have a much thicker curtain than animals. <laughs> animals' curtain is pretty much see-through. You know, it's, it's still there, but it's see-through. So they can hang out in both planes a lot. Yeah. They connect with, you know, I meet a lot of people who say, well, does he miss, you know, Chewie who died three years ago? I think he misses Chewie. And, he, and I'll talk to the animal, and I was like, oh, miss Chewie's here like five times a week. I don't miss Chewie. <laughs> Chewie's kind of annoying. <laughs> so, you know, they're just in and out, back and forth very easily. We humans, since we're working on learning unconditional love and we're learning it through, let's say, having challenges as humans, yep. that curtain has to be thicker. Yeah. So um, he, animals can do it much more easily. So you can see how with a thinner curtain, crossing over is not going to be as big of a deal to them right it's just a shift in the energy yeah yeah um all right let's talk a little bit about after death communication um there's a great book out there uh called hello from heaven by bill and judith uh guggenheim and they talk about all the the signals and signs that people send us from the spirit world to try to let us know that they're there and I wondered if uh, pets do this sort of thing as well. Do they try to send us signs and signals to let, to let us know that they're around us? 